It's a crazy world out there, and this is the place to help you figure out how to live in it. Welcome to the Masculinist Podcast, the show about how we live as Christian men and as the church in today's radically new and challenging world. I'm your host, Aaron Wren. Thank you for listening. Please visit our website and sign up for our newsletter today at themasculinist.org. You can also support the work of The Masculinist on Patreon at patreon.com slash masculinist, on Gumroad at gumroad.com slash masculinist, or on PayPal at paypal.me slash masculinist. And now for today's show. Hello there. By popular demand, welcome to The Masculinist Podcast, the very first installment. I'm Aaron Wren. And when I say by popular demand, I do mean that uh, I did some surveys of readers and contributors uh, on the newsletter, people who are on Patreon, Gumroad, and I asked, would you be interested in a podcast? Because uh, I was thinking, how, what would be the best way to expand what I'm doing? New kinds of content, new kinds of channels, new kinds of initiatives. And uh, the response I got was overwhelming. People said, yes, we would love to have a podcast from you. So here it is. Now, this is going to be a little bit different than The Masculinist. It's really going to focus more on cultural diagnostics than men's issues, per se. Um, and, you know, originally, in fact, I was even going to call it something other than The Masculinist. I really wanted to do a podcast that was focused on life in what I called the negative world. By far, the most popular masculinist issue that I ever put out was issue number 13. It was called The Lost World of American Evangelicalism. And it basically made a distinction between three eras of sort of modern American relationships uh, between secular society and the Christian world. The positive world, the, the neutral world, and the negative world. The positive world happened, uh, you know, really pre-1994. And when I say positive, what I mean by that is Christianity was seen as a social good, as a positive in society. If you were someone who were a good church-going uh, man, you had that reputation, then that would be a bonus for you, right? People would, would raise their opinion of you. Uh, but as we transitioned into the 90s, uh, you know, from, say, 1994 to 2014, I think is the 20-year period I said— you know, Christianity lost its favored status in society, and it kind of became to be seen as a neutral. It wasn't a positive, but it wasn't really a negative. It's like, you know, okay, you're a Christian. Well, I'm interested in yoga, or I'm this and I'm that. And there was this idea of maybe the pluralistic public square in which Christianity was just one of many things that you might be into. And then after... Uh, 2014, we transitioned to what I called the negative world, which is to say Christianity is seen as a social negative. Christian moral norms are expressly repudiated. Uh, being known as a church-going Christian can be a negative, uh, especially in high-status society. And uh, it's really a very different place than we've ever been in before. If you think about the positive world, for example, that's what we associate with the traditional religious right. Uh, with the moral majority, right? Just the idea that you would have an organization called the moral majority says that people uh, had some plausible claim to believe that they did speak for a majority. Now, I don't think that they actually did even then, but nevertheless, it shows that there was sort of a, re a residual 
um, residual normative status to Christianity. And there were a lot of, you know, religious right figures, the Christian Coalition, Pat Robertson, all of that. Uh, that was very characteristic of the positive world. Going into the neutral world, we had um, a new generation of people uh, who were much more, um, uh, you want to call it culture friendly. Uh, Tim Keller would be a good example of this. Andy Crouch, people who are not really interested in being politically combative. They want to come out and engage with the culture. You might even call, call it the cultural engagement strategy. And it's going out into in confidently into the public square and saying, let's talk about the issues that we all have in common that we care about. And let's talk about how, you know, Christianity, how the gospel relates to that. And this strategy was extremely effective, I think, uh, for it, for its era. But again, since 2014, we've really moved into essentially uncharted territory. Uh, and there really hasn't been what I would consider a great Christian strategy developed to to deal with it. Um, you, you still have essentially legacy religious right types. They never they never went away. They've always been around. Uh, still taking a very combative approach versus the culture. You've got uh, the um, you know neutral world types, the urban church types. They're still kind of doing this cultural engagement thing, but it's increasingly very obvious that they're really not speaking to what's going on uh, in the culture. Uh, to the extent that they are, they're just sort of, you know, me too, to whatever is, is going on out there, uh, you know, in kind of elite secular society. Uh, I think increasingly they're they're ineffective. Uh, not, not that, you know, they're bad. They're not necessarily saying they're bad. It's just that their strategy, their strategic ministry approach just really doesn't work in kind of the modern age uh, anymore. Certainly it's kind of fading. And, you know, but the negative world, what do we have? What do we get from it? And the one guy who I think really had something to say on this was Rod Dreher with his Benedict Option book. And again, I had some criticisms of it. I don't consider myself a Benedict Option guy, but I see it as really the first attempt at trying to formulate what a Christianity for the negative world would look like. And so what I wanted to do here uh, was kind of explore some of these cultural realities of the negative world. How do we understand what's going on and how do we use that to start informing the strategies that we will have to live in the world um, as as Christian men today, or even as, you know, Christian women or even non-Christians, because again, this is not, this this particular podcast is not going to necessarily be a men's issues podcast. The format that I'm planning to do is what I call monologues and dialogues. So I'm going to start off by doing, you know, monologues, which are basically just going to be 10 to 20 minute pieces with me, uh, kind of giving my view on a particular topic. Uh, I'm probably going to start every other week and then increase frequency from there as I kind of get into the swing of things. Dialogues, uh, I'm going to add later uh, as the plan, going to be longer form conversations with other thinkers. Uh, so uh, look forward to that. And I think, again, I'm going to probably do things in the form of series. Um, that there may be, I may do a series of podcasts exploring various aspects of different topics. In fact, the first series I'm planning to do is called Urban World, Urban Church. Um, and, you know, I, I've had a lot to say about kind of the urban church world in the Masculinist Newsletter. Um, you know, the neutral world, what I call the neutral world, I heavily associate with the global city urban church movement um, that, that we see. And, uh, you know, I kind of come across maybe a little as critical of that and, and probably unduly critical. 
Uh, you know, at, at times, uh, I think in part, you know, that's my world, right? I lived in Manhattan. You know, I, I, I think these are my, kind of my people. This is my own culture a little bit. So I feel a little more confident in, in speaking about it than I might be towards, say, some, some other types of people. But I actually think that they got a lot of things right and that the city is very important. And so what I want to do is is do a series talking about the city, what's been happening in terms of demographic shifts around the world, what that means for the church, what that means for ministry, what the, the experiences of the urban church have to teach the rest of us, and then, uh, you know, a lot of uh, observations from life on the inside, if you will. Uh, you know, a lot of people like to, you know, kind of love it or hate it with the urban church, you know, the the kind of old positive world religious right people tend to be very, very critical of it. Others tend to, uh, you know, be be Tim Keller fanboys, uh, for example. I want to take a more nuanced view. You know, I used to be, I'd say I used to be a Tim Keller fanboy in that, you know, I really sort of just, uh, just anything he said I took in, I believed it. Now I say I'm just a fan, you know, I kind of, uh, someone who, who recognizes you know, a lot of the good things that he that he had and a lot of the very, very, very intelligent and strategically shrewd moves that he made. But now I'm willing to step back and say maybe there's some things he didn't get right. Maybe his strategy is not as relevant as it used to be. So I'm going to try to be nuanced. I'm going to try to be fair. I want to try to be maximally fair uh, while also not uh, being afraid to be bold and speaking truth. Um, I might also do a series on political conservatism. You know, even the most dyed-in-the-wool conservative people today – don't really know much about the conservative movement, where it came from, uh, or or what the various criticisms of it were from various kind of dissident thinkers from within the right itself. So I think there's a lot to talk about uh, on the conservative movement, because uh, certainly since probably the 1980s, um, you know, evangelicalism was highly aligned with the Republican Party and really with the conservative movement, which is ultimately a failed movement. And until you understand why that movement failed, um, you know you're going to repeat the, the same mistakes in, in the next one. I might also do a series on media theory. Uh, you know, so that's I think that's very important. We live in a mass media culture, and and so there's there's a lot of a lot of ideas that I have uh, for this podcast. I was originally going to roll the podcast out with a new website for the masculinist, so it'd be a standalone. A website for the masculinists with kind of a blog that would allow me to do more frequent uh, posts that would be more popularly oriented, if you will. You know, I'm kind of doing the 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 deep stuff that you know. I try to be like the New Yorker of uh, of Christian men's newsletters. You know, it's going to be thousands of words of of really you know deeply thought out stuff. But not everybody wants to read a four or five thousand word post. So how can we roll some of that out in, in a more digestible format? How can I do more commentary on the issues of the day? Um, that site's not ready. Uh, but uh, I decided to go ahead and roll out the podcast. In fact, as of this recording, the domain that's in the uh, the intro music here, the masculinist.org, is not actually up yet. So if you go there uh, thinking it's the new website uh, today, you won't find it. Although for many of you, by the time you read this, perhaps it will be up. So uh, this is the podcast. Uh, next week, we're really going to dig in, or two weeks from now, we're really going to dig in. Uh, appreciate you all listening. Appreciate you all subscribing to the Masculinist Newsletter. Uh, and, uh, again, I thank you for your support. If you, uh, if you haven't already, please consider supporting me on Patreon at patreon.com slash masculinist. 
Um, you know, a lot of people get on my case, uh, you know, saying, hey, Aaron, it's Patreon. And that probably is the right pronunciation because it's, a, you know, it's a variation on the word patron. And I think that's how it's probably done. But I'm still going to say Patreon because that's just how I think it ought to be pronounced. You can also go on gumroad.com slash masculinist or by PayPal at paypal.me slash masculinist. So let me know what you think. Uh, send me your suggestions for what you'd like to hear on the podcast to Aaron at AaronWren.com. What are some of the topic areas that are on your mind? Uh, you know, what are the, the big questions of the day that you do not see the church weighing in on that you think we ought to? And I will try to take a swing at some of those to the extent that I actually have insight on them. I don't know everything on every topic. You know, I really don't want to get too far out of my lane and start pontificating on things that I haven't done any research on myself. Uh, but uh, maybe maybe some of these suggestions will also to give uh, some f- uh, fruitful new areas for me to start looking into. Uh, so much of society is interconnected together. So I start pulling on one thread and I start following it and I start leading me to other kinds of topic areas. And, and wow, it, it just opens up entirely new vistas of of thinking and uh, and questions and considerations. So uh, I'm not done yet. Uh, I like to say that I'm in. A, I'm on a quest for the truth. I don't pretend to have all the truths. I don't pretend to have all the answers. Anyone who does is crazy. How many people at the beginning of this year were predicting that we were going to have a pandemic? That all the stuff that's happened here was going to happen. How many people on uh, January 1st, 2015 would have predicted that Donald Trump would have been the next president of the United States? Nobody. This world is a lot crazier than we think it is. You know, we're not God. We don't know what's going to happen. So I think we do need to have a little humility about what we know. Uh, but I want to say I'm on a quest for truth, and uh, I want to share that to you with you as I discover it and hope for you to come along on the journey. Again, email me, Aaron at AaronWren.com, and I'll see you soon with my first take on Urban World, Urban Church. <laughs>